Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of CJ and the Duke. As always, I am your co-host, Robert the Duke Fedoric. And I am Corey, CJ Wesley. Today we are going to continue a discussion we started last time in the realm of ID management and ID governance. And for that, we've brought in a very special guest for those of you who do not know him. It is our pleasure to introduce Mr. Ty Roach of Tiger Consulting. Welcome to the show, Ty. Guys, thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Oh, it's our pleasure, man. Absolutely. So, I. It's a good thing. This is this is the the miracle post production. When we started talking about how we're going to plan this episode, it was remarkable to me how different the discussion went, and the different things that you've seen and where your experience led you versus the guests that we had on the last show. So, why don't you? start with what niche you fulfill in the ID management and ID governance space? Sure. First of all, Tiger is a technology partner. We're a premier technology partner, professional services provider. We're a public sector and services partner with ServiceNow. We've been working with U.S. federal customers since 2017, and that's been the basis for our experience, uh, in particular in the IGA space. And I would say principally, we we our experience working with these customers came from both critical infrastructure, you know, supporting regulatory compliance requirements, as well as building enterprise applications for federally mandated programs, such as, you know, data center optimization, the Megabyte Act, 21st Century Idea Act. And that's where we've, you know, drawn our experience in the IGA space. And in in general, the scenarios had to do with processing requests for access, supporting audits, providing transparency, ensuring integrity of the environment. So that's, that's the basis for our experience. Now, you said critical infrastructure. And I know when I first heard that, I had a just a way different idea about what that might be. So for the benefit of the audience who haven't worked in the federal space or maybe don't know how critical the critical infrastructure is we're talking about, why don't you explain what you mean by critical infrastructure? Yeah. Okay. So it's a great point, right? Because it can have many different meanings. So when I was talking about critical infrastructure, our customers happen to be, you know, first of all, the U.S. labels certain areas of uh, the economy as critical infrastructure, such as energy, telecommunications, transportation, even finance, things like that. So when I was talking about critical infrastructures, we're we're talking about the infrastructure of our country. And there are, of course, regulatory bodies that ensure, because they are critical, if something were to happen, you're there are regulations in place to make sure that you're compliant if you're if you're an operator in those environments. So this is basically the second side of the economy where you end up on the news if something goes wrong, right? Uh, right. Just to flash back not so long ago, right, with our with the the pipeline incident, and I'm here on the East Coast, and you know, right outside of the DC metro area, and saw the gas lines, saw the ga- gas prices go up, and it, we really felt it. So. Yeah, please. Well, even today, like with the big meatpacking monopoly. Exactly. Absolutely. So critical, critical infrastructure. Critical. Yeah, no doubt. (laughs) So tell me, uh, Ty, please tell me you weren't one of those uh, folks out there with a grocery bag pumping gas. (laughs) (laughs) No, no, no. Luckily, um, myself and our team, we are remote uh, work team and it's the beauty of service now, right? It's in it's in the cloud. And so we don't really have to go far for our customers uh, and take care of them wherever it helps. I'm in the DC metro area, so it helps to be serving those customers, being close by, coming face-to-face for meetings, but by and large, and our our team is all over the country, really, and we support. And in fact, some of the customers, the federal customers are all over the country as well. So no pumping to the gas. Yeah, we didn't have to do that. That's awesome. 
How does that critical infrastructure and federal space, how does the intersection of that, how does that differ from, say, corporate America's use of ID management, ID government? My experience has been that, and I can only imagine that it's similar in some ways, and it's different in some ways, especially when you talk about it within the ServiceNow space, so within the context of ServiceNow. The very fact that your federal customers, they're on a different data center, they're in a FedRAMP high environment, so that's different than the commercial you know, customers, and they need to be so. There's accreditation that goes into making sure that you, you are running on cloud-based systems that are that way. And the government you'll find has a lot of regulations. There's a lot, just, if you want to roll something out, you have to get what's called an authority to operate, an ATO. So we're going to have probably a lot of acronyms here, but you don't just say, oh, hey, we're, we're going live. There's a whole process you have to get people to approve before anything goes out, whether you're buying something, a, a new app, maybe off the store, or you're just rolling out your solution. It can take longer because you have to go through, you know, dot your I's and cross your T's. Did you build your solution and what from the perspective of going direct to the federal market or was it a, a situation where you had the solution and you then had to adapt it to the federal market? Oh, so good, that's a good question, you know, CJ. It was, I would say it was more of we were there providing professional services in the ServiceNow space to these customers that we knew were doing critical infrastructure infrastructure work or needed to do authorizations and controls around who had access to what. So we learned in that space. And then after a while, and I'm sure you guys and you know, folks listening can appreciate this, after a while you realized, hey, you know, ServiceNow has a great platform and they also have great out-of-the-box applications, but they give you the platform, gives you the latitude to do things very specific for a customer that are, you know, meets that customer's needs and, the, and their mission. And that's what we we had been doing in both of those you know different spaces, critical infrastructure, and just I'll just call it vanilla federal space supporting federally mandated programs. What came out of that was, hey, you know, this has legs. I mean, we can we can take what we've learned here and make it more available to other customers that maybe haven't even in the federal space, but not necessarily just federal space that may need to do these same very things, which is a governance process around who has authorized access to various either logical or physical systems. And that's really what our RBeam is. When, and by the way, RBeam, it stands for Role-Based Entitlement Access Management. So it's kind of a mouthful. That's why we just call it RBeam. <laughs> I like the name. So you mentioned logical and physical systems. That's pretty interesting to me, especially from the standpoint of a logical system. But actually, more so from a physical system, actually, as I, as I kind of start to talk and think about this a little bit, right? Like I get how you do role-based controls around stuff that's actually existing inside of ServiceNow, right? The ACL systems there. Yep. We've got roles and all that kind of good stuff. But how do you represent, say, the the access around a physical department or wing of a building or anything like that using RBeam. And is that something that uh, RBeam, that you that um, your customers are using RBeam for? So absolutely, you could do that. You're not really limited. So the role-based part of that entitlement access management, that app, it lets the customers define what privilege or role or permission or privilege that you might need to either a logical or physical space. And then, you know, CJ, to your point about the physical, I mean, think about it like this. If you have a physical location, you might need to know, do you have after hours access? Do you need escort access? You know, so these are the types of attributes, just to name a couple that you might want to associate with a physical system. Make sense? 
It does. Absolutely. And I guess I'm, what I'm wondering from, from that perspective, and, and this is, you know, just indulging my curiosity, right, is when you get a stamp from the standpoint of, you know, access around physical areas and you're using our beam to kind of control that, how, how do you socialize that information like up the chain so that everyone has insight? into that. And is that something that, that, that your customers have found valuable? Oh, 100%. In fact, that's, that's really the key thing is number one, using our application, you can create, update, and deactivate entitlements. And that's what we call them. So a logical system or a physical location, we will use the general term entitlement. And then of course, then you can apply your own, whatever roles or privileges or permissions that you want to a particular entitlement. And then you are managing Ultimately, the access, you can make a request. I mean, just think catalog items, right? You're just making requests. Hey, now that this is in place, I see a new site or I, knew, I see a new uh, system, an application that I want to be a subscriber to. And d- here's my justification for needing access to it. And then there's the ability to request that. There is the review and process and approval process. And that's really what RBM is focused on is just that whole authorization aspect of this, who asked for it, why do they need it, when did they ask for it? And then that way, retroactively, if you had to do an audit, you could say, oh, well, here was the justification. Here's who approved. Here's why they approved or when they approved. Here's how long it was good for. And that information is captured, right? And this is what ServiceNow, again, is so good for. And our app just is built on that platform to provide these capabilities. You can have a dashboard and it speeds up your audits it speeds up transparency. You can use this for a lot of different use cases, even for things like, hey, did you take your annual cyber training? If you're going to get access to some of those systems, you may have had to have the training. Did you take that training? Those could be attributes that you might need to look for uh, that you can go back and show the auditor, hey, yeah, this guy, he went through this process. We, we did the due diligence on this person. We did a risk assessment for him and found him eligible to have access to this physical premise or to this system. Hold on, hold on. So what you're telling me is that this is that essentially you've built GRC Lite. <laughs> I, that's how I kind of like to look at it. Yeah, I mean, that's a good word for it. I mean, I would call it a light application because I know I know there's some folks out there that really specialize in end-to-end. If I were going to compare, like this to me, not to sell this short, but it's it's like if you have a car, there's the economy cars, and then there's sports cars, there's SUVs. You know, I would say this is your, your a light version. It's like an economy car. It's got a simple purpose, but it's a very, very practical one. And a lot of folks need to do this. I mean, some of your other guests were talked about this, you know, the real need for this. I mean, you know, we've, we've seen it just like, you, like we started with uh, in the news, how important, you know, the controls are. And, and I want you to misunderstand, right? Like me calling it light, I, I wasn't trying to undersell it, right? I was actually, it, it dawned on me like how, how practical or how expensive the use cases for this application are right mm-hmm. now, you know, with, yeah. with you going through that. Because look, I'm a bit of a process light person. Like that's always been my personal culture. Right. Like I love to get into a, a client and, a, and we talk about how the processes that they have are working so I can tear them all apart. Right. And rebuild <laughs> them with the with the least amount of Lego pieces possible. <laughs> right. Exactly. Yeah, for sure. I'm you with know, you. And a, and a lot of my clients look at something like GRC and they're really intimidated by it, but they want that outcome. Yeah. They want that outcome of that governance. But when they look at the entire package of something like GRC, it's just really off-putting because they're like, where do we start? And are we going to have to hire a whole nother team of individuals? You know what, as you were talking, you know, about the, the capabilities of our beam, I was just getting in, in my head, right? Like this could be 
that solution for them. Like it gives them the ability to do a, a lot of that governance without in an unintimidating way. So it's in, incredibly flexible and incredibly powerful, but also unassuming. I, I, mean, I think it's a hit just based on a, a lot of the things that you were saying. Ty, why don't you give us like a kind of, it's hard because we don't actually have this on video, but could you describe a few of the capabilities of Arbeam or, or kind of generically how it works? Yeah, sure. So uh, I'd say there's three main catalog items, I guess you could almost say, or areas that the, the thing provides is the, first of all, the ability to create, update, and deactivate an entitlement. So I am going to create an entitlement to manage access to Oracle Financials, as an example. That would be a logical system, right? Or I have our dispatch center as a physical place, right? Something like the dispatch room. So there's there are two different types of entitlements. So you could create that. Who's the person responsible for you know authorizations for access to this? What's the support team? What's the review and approval teams? And so forth. There's attributes, right? And you have an ability to create and manage and update and even deactivate that, you know, end of life it. Then you have the ability to say, okay, now that we have our entitlements in place that we know we need to manage, they're important to us. Do we need to know more than just, yeah, Robert has access to this and CJ has access to that and Ty has access to this other thing? Is it just a yes or no? No, you, you might need to know more. You might need to know specific privileges or permissions that somebody might have. I'll go back again to the Oracle financials. This was actually a really critical use case. We started initially just like, hey, you have access to a, a system who has it and who doesn't. But after a while, we found that he, some of these systems, even it's like it went deeper. Hey, there's going to be an audit just within the financials, right? Because it might not be a good idea to have, if I have access to Oracle financials, you might not want me being able to create a vendor, pay an invoice, and I'm actually the vendor. Right. You know, so there's a separation of, <laughs> right. Could you imagine there's, there's a separation of responsibilities that has to happen. So we provided that our beam provides that. And again, that was just something that as we evolved with customer experience, we realized, oh, wow, interesting capability that needs to be on the product. And we need to be able to make, a, allow this to happen in a general way for all customers. So a, a particular customer, and in this case, a federal customer has a very specific process that they, you know, CJ, you were just talking about like discovering the process. They have a very specific process, but we just abstracted that to simply just say the process is going to be associate, let you define your entitlements, put roles on them, and then let people request access or not have access. So then the, that requesting process is just simply somebody needs access to say, again, Oracle Financials, and they're going to become a financial analyst, whereas before or they were the accounts receivable person side. They make that request, they provide their justification. They can even say, oh, and you know, I really might need some, you know, I'm a new hire and why don't you make me, I'm falling into the finance department. Why don't you set me up something like this person, but here's going to be my specific responsibilities. And right. you go from there and the tool lets you just very rapidly do that. Right now, there's a two-step review and approval process. First, the first team gets it, does the configuration, passes it on to the entitlement owner, if you will. They give the final, it could make a final adjustment and an approval of it. And then it goes off to the fulfillment team. And that's where the, that's the sort of the end of the road on the authorizing side. So Arbeam is the authorizing side. And then you have the actual system, which is Oracle Financials. They're off that you have your system administrators setting up what has been authorized. And then having that, you have, you know, dashboards and you can have reports and you can run internal audits to say, hey, do we still need to have this, you know, 30, 60, 90 days, do we, you know, whatever your interval might be to say, hey, does this person still need this? Or they change departments or they, and they change roles. Data integrity is always 
you know, challenge, even when you have a system uh, like there are solution like this, because it's only as good as how well it's being used. But we found that it's really useful to help reconcile between what has been authorized and what is actually out there. Right. 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 Absolutely. And I mean, to your point, that is a huge thing in practice, being able to actually immediately see that delta between what's actually done in process and, and or in reality versus what's been authorized through the system. And when you get that delta, determining what to do with it. I know a lot of clients that I've had in the past would just love to be able to do that, like at, at the push of a button. <laughs> yeah, no, for sure. I mean, it's, it's, so, it's huge. What I'm wondering is what, what are the outputs of it? You're going through these workflows of asking for and receiving the role-based entitlements, mm -hmm. but after having done all that work, what does it allow you to do? So as you can imagine, and it's, you know, just to demystify it a little bit, you guys, you know, get this. A lot of these start as catalog item requests, you know, oh, I need access to Oracle financials and I'm going to be doing accounts receivable and some tax management as an example. So that go, that request goes in there. You've got the history of how that request was massaged and, and treated and the reasons why it was done and it's closed. And of course, then you can do a report on that. That information is, is kept. There are, of course, Arbeam has its own tables, which it's it's managing, for instance, what are all the entitlements and what are all the roles and permissions that are associated with that one. And over time, you can see how they, they changed and they're tracked back to your, your request. You can see who your approvers are. You can see who fulfilled it. Imagine this, like in, and just real world experience, I've seen this happen. Sometimes these work these workflows go and you know take a day or two to, to finish because they have to get some a couple approvals and they go to the fulfillment and then at last second after it's already been approved and it's like oh wait 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 we don't want this and so there's always these abilities to go in and just say oh at this point there was a, a change made you can either decide now nope, you're too far along you got to go make a new request so, so that we have it or you can say all right now we'll track it here that this came in after the fact and it was approved by the manager who had previously approved it with a, an existing configuration and there was a delta that happened after that and they didn't want to go through the whole process again. All that is tracked. That's just data in your system. Therefore, you can have a dashboard and you can have a report and you can see things over time. And so you can do some analysis and say, hey, are, are there certain systems or locations or maybe departments that manage those that are having a better track record? Like here, here's an example. This is what happens. And we won't name names, but like sometimes people, right, you know, like if you're an admin on the system, you might, and you're buddies with them, you might say, hey, I just, can you just give me access to this? Totally bypassing the system. That would be somebody with the ability to just, you know, grant the access, bypassing the system, and then come audit time, there's no authorization for that person having that access. So during that reconciliation event that happens every so often, whatever in, you know, good practice would be to do it frequently, you would catch that. And then you, the entitlement owner would say, hey, how did this happen? And you could get it resolved and you could say, well, wait a minute, I, you know, there's no authorization for this. And so that's how it becomes practical. You can check that and ensure that you don't get into a situation where like we had admins over the summer, they're gone and they still have admin access, right? You can take care of that. Back when I was working corporate from a environment where auditors would often come in and do their auditing thing, it, it was having a system where you can print wow. out, let's call it a single page, right? But in, in, in theory, it can be multiple pages, right? Of just of information that is required so that they can go through their list of things that they need to check out, check off and verify. This sounds like a perfect tool for that sort of uh, situation where you, you know what your auditors are going to ask for. And so you set up the tool to really provision the sorts of access in the way that's going to align 
well, what the auditors are going to look for. So that when they do show up quarterly or semi-annually or whatever, right, like you can really just go in and run that report, print it off as a PDF or whatever, and, and pass it over to them and say, hey, here's our here's all the information that you need to go through and, and verify that everything's correct. Do you find that your clients are using it in that way at all? Yeah, I, I totally, absolutely. I mean, this is the beauty of it. After a while, the auditors themselves get very used to your process and they know, first of all, you've established a trust that this is the mechanism by which you are governing your systems. And that creates a lot of trust. And then therefore they can go off and just say, okay, show me these financial systems, these network systems, pick random things, and then they can go deep if they want. And you're turning around results super fast consistent and they become very used to how you provide this because it's consistent across the board even quarter after quarter year after year it makes their job easier too and it really has improved things that way nice hey ty something about this made me think back to a time i worked at a large organization and there was a a very high profile termination Mm. except that the person accidentally got cc'd on the comms Mm. (laughs) oh boy and and decided to make a mess of it on the way out. Yeah. And it's just a very, very messy situation overall. But I'm wondering if a tool like this could kind of be used in reverse, so to speak. So you kind of go in thinking, I have application XYZ and I need to manage the role-based entitlements so that I can see who's all entitled to this app. But could you use it in reverse and, and say, oh, oh, this person is a bad actor. Show me all the places they were entitled so we can get our arms around the potential damage. You know, that's that's actually a, a great point. And I am at first I imagine that that is entirely possible 100 percent, because then you can see, hey, well, it, right. You can tell what the potential for risk was. Uh, you know, it's like other areas of service now, you know, your outage and your impacts to, you know, something going you know, sideways, say, during a patch, you know, what was impacted? You could do the same thing on, the, on an individual basis to say, hey, what's the scope? of impact to this person that had a grievance and how long did they have access to this? 100% you can do that because you know, here's when they were granted access. I mean, at least when they were authorized. And of course, again, you have two systems, right? Because then there's the ultimate system itself, which you have the access, and then there's the process by which you got it. And so this, just to be clear, the RB is all about the process that to, for you to get it. And that's an important aspect of it. And then you have to go and see to make sure as long as the organization is following the practice you know, of doing the authorizations first, then you do the authorizations, which is the actual system, you can rest assured that, hey, the person XYZ, they had access to the system. Maybe they were doing things into our financial system. We need to look over this period of time because we know they had access at this point and just start your due diligence quietly in advance before whatever you might need to do. But I, I agree, that's a possibility. Yeah. I mean, that's very interesting to think about. So- so coming from the, the place that I used to work again, right, when I was still working corporate, we did have those separation events where they would uh, sometimes become rather involved. It's probably a charitable way of saying it. And being able to see at a glance the level of access that they had and knowing how it was provisioned and being able to kind of get ahead of that so that on day zero for them, you know, they we can flip a switch to a certain degree and turn things off, but also go through, know which systems that we'd have to go through up to day zero to see if any kind of 
nefarious intent or actions have been undertaken will definitely come in handy. And we did have that in, in one or two systems, but, you know, just thinking about having that across the entire swath of systems that we administered. And I think about how much easier my job might've been. CJ, you're right. You're all over. Of course you can go to the individual systems, right? And Hey, this is when this person granted access, but holistically for the individual across all the systems that you care about there, you're at least taking the time to manage service now then becomes the one place that you you can go to find out, hey, real quick, what do we need to worry about? Okay, just st- sticking on that same scenario of an incident with a person. What's the impact to this? Or what are the range of systems? You could go a stovepipe approach by go out to all the system ball. Everybody, everybody just go check and see, does this person have access? Or you go to your system of record for authorizing access to that system. And then and you know right there and you can very quickly run reports so that it's not like a hair on fire drill for every system administrator of every you know system out there. Exactly. Being able to target the work and, and get it done and knowing the two things, right? Like one is that you're not utilizing extra cycles where they're not necessary, but at the same time, at the end of the process, that you've covered everything that you need to cover, right? So having both of those things, certainties out of the out of the system really provides everyone with a lot more confidence in, in the process. Yep. Ty, is this available both inside and outside the Fed space? It absolutely is. So it's in the Fed app store and it's in the uh, ServiceNow's commercial app store. So you can you can get it there searching on Arbeam. Speaking of app store, then I'd like to ask a question about your experience with getting, getting the app into the app store. Can you talk a little bit about that? You know, some of our audience out there are developers who do aspire to, to put an app in the app store and you know, might might like to hear like some firsthand information on how that actually how that process actually works. Yeah. Okay. It's a great point. And that's that's sort of for myself. That was a deep desire of mine for a long time is to just build an app and to do it on this of course this platform that I love, ServiceNow, and they had the app store. I was excited, super excited about that. And Robert, I know you guys talked about this previously, I think. You have to become a technology partner, which we did back in 2019. And there is a process, but, you know, they, they vet you, they make sure you have the right the credentials and they, they want to know or interested in what you're going to build. And then you build, you start your work building, of course, a scoped app. And then it goes through a fairly rigorous review process with the certification team will go through and make sure you're following best practices. There's, they give you tools to help in that. And it's, there's a quite a bit of rigor that goes through, not just the coding and the testing of it, but just the, you'd have, what's your marketing material? Do you have your test plan built? What's the design documents? All that is, uh, so your customers that are buying apps off the store, you're getting this. This is, in some ways, I would almost call it like an OEM of, of ServiceNow. You know, they're, they're, they're trusting these vendors. They've, you've, they've done the due diligence on them, and they've put each of these apps through the ringer. And by the way, each new release, I just got the notice today, hey, you know, Rome's coming out, so get ready. You're going to have to recertify your apps. Absolutely, right? It's, it's valuable. And you have to make sure you're staying compliant. So these are all things that come with it. It's a value to the customer. And I don't know if the aspiring app developer might think about all that, but that is, those are some of the things that go into it. So you might have a good idea, but there's a lot, there's a lot of other, uh, these things that you just have to, you know, go through to ensure the integrity of the app. That's Yeah. You know, similar to my thoughts on architecture, I think it's a lot of soft skills that kind of go into things like you know, putting an app in the, in the app store, being a ServiceNow architect. It's not so much, it's not only just about the technical, right? It's not, mm-hmm. you know, from an architecture perspective, it's not just about being able to walk the, the client through how to best do something on the platform. It's also best about knowing how to, you know, tell your client no, or knowing how to recommend when they're trying to go, go in a way that's not best practice or, or what have you. Same thing I feel like with putting an app in the app store, right? Like all of that stuff that you mentioned, marketing materials and targeting your customer base and those sorts of things. 
are things that folks don't typically think about when they're building an app. They think, you know, they, they focus a lot more on the code and making it functional, which is great. But if you can't sell it, it doesn't really matter. Yeah, I know. This is true. Selling is half. And I'm, a, I'm myself, I'm more of a technical guy. There is there is the art of the sale, right? That's really important. And you obviously, you need to have something that customers need. And there's a demand in the market. And uh, that's for our apps that we have in the store. That's how they got there for us. We, from our professional ex services experience and working with customers and seeing their pain points, there were those aha moments where we were just like, wow, you know, it'd be so nice if this was just available for if this customer is struggling with this, I, I just know a lot of customers will. And let's let's come up with that. So that's been the inspiration yeah, for us. Whether smokes or fire kind of thing. Yeah, totally. Ty, can I play the, the skeptic and you can kind of like <laughs> solve some of my questions? I'll try. Yeah, like uh -oh. I'll sale. try. Here's where it gets tough, huh? Okay. <laughs> okay. So if I was a customer that was some parts of my organization are trying to get the grips around entitlement access that has been granted, like we just... Maybe at the top, we don't quite know all the people who have access mm. to a lot of things we care about. But then you come in and you're getting vetted. Someone on their infrastructure team says, well, isn't this what Active Directory is for? Like, yeah. shouldn't I just manage this in my Active Directory groups? What do you say to that kind of skepticism? So that's a good point. And, and oftentimes that is what people are doing. But I just from experience, not everything is managed with Active Directory. Everything is not necessarily in there. There are systems that are decoupled from Active Directory, and this provides like site security, maybe or yeah, exactly things of that nature, and or physical access control systems that may not necessarily talk to AD or other. You name it. There's plenty of other purely, you know, Unix systems or that are out there, or homegrown systems that are mission critical but are not talking to AD. And it's probably a small percentage, but the nice thing also is that you're. You now have this control in ServiceNow where you have staff that are maybe not necessarily your active directory folks. Okay, you, what happens when you need reports and what happens when you need support for audit and evidence gathering that's or, or just general transparency? How many people have access to those active directory controls? Whereas people will have access to ServiceNow. You can build a dashboard, you can build reports, you can send out uh, scheduled reports, right? These, that's the beauty of having it in the ServiceNow system as well. So it's not, of course, systems like Active Directory are critical. They, and, and oftentimes it's, it, there's overlap, but we've found that the, the beauty is it's on the ServiceNow platform. That's really the value from my perspective. Yeah, because not everybody's an AD admin, right? Exactly, exactly. Where it's easier to, you know, somebody with the, some basic skills in ServiceNow that knows how to navigate and do some reports on, you know, you explain to them, here's here's the data structures that we, we are keeping with this application and here's how they tie into approvals and how they tie into catalog items and catalog tasks and things of that nature. And they can build their reports. And it doesn't take a, a highly skilled AD developer or admin, right? You, you, you've got this. And so that, in and of itself is a value. Do you ever see this used for things like attestations for permissions? Like it's not necessarily, I have been given access, this type of access to Oracle financials, mm -hmm. but more like I am authorized to make long distance calls to let's say China mm -hmm. or Saudi Arabia or people we don't generally consider our allies. 
you know what's really cool about this, I think, is that the sky's the limit. I What I love about it is to get to go to customers and see how they, they ask a question like that. Can we do this? Every now and then we'll stumble into something that's like, ah, oh, darn, that's that's not available now. That might be a neat new feature in the future. By, and by the way, this is just a, a 1.0 version that we just rolled out and it, it literally just came out this spring. So it is, back to CJ's point, it is a really a 1.0, it's a GRC light because we went right to like, what's the most important thing? Who has access to what? And what level of access do they, are they authorized to? And we're gonna go from there, but it's a starting point. And over time, what we've realized is, again, we build, we sit back and say, okay, well, what are the customers trying to do? What do they like? How do we, what, what else do we need to do? And that, that's how we've been responsive to their needs. And how are people doing this without service now? Whew, wow, you would without your app. You guys, it's crazy. I'm sure you guys know this. It's like in some <laughs> cases, it's just like it's email, spreadsheets, oh, it, 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 SharePoints, and stuff like that. You don't know if you got the latest version of what, and it's total chaos, right? And a lot of times, it's like the hand on face when the auditor comes, and he's just like, "Oh my gosh, we're going to be with your people crawling all over the place for for weeks," and it's not a good thing. And all the time, we still bump into customers that, you know, are like, oh, why aren't you managing your application or your system and the controls that you need in here as well? And, oh, they're, oh, we can do that? Like, yes, you can do this. And let's just do that. We have, it's not like we, we rolled this in and we got every every application under the sun and they were all up and done. What's, what's I've seen happen is after a while, we, we did the critical ones first and it, literally talking about critical infrastructure as an example, you have, you know, SIP high, SIP medium, SIP low, non-business SIP. There's there's things like that. And of course, you start with the most critical things and then you work your way down just to, as, as an example of one. But eventually, you know, and there's the most applications in your, say, your non-SIP business, if I'm using a, an actual example, we haven't even begun to address because you're taking care of the most important things first. And then you kind of iron out the process and you can even you know tweak things a little bit along the way. I mean, this is ultimately, right? We give you a, a blueprint for how it's a template for how, how we think it should be done. And it certainly can, can be done. People just pop it in and use it. And then other folks come along and say, gosh, we want to introduce this other process to this. Okay, fine. It's just a workflow, right? Behind the scenes, you can add that as long as you know what you're doing, or you can ask us and we can do it for you. So those are some of the things that have, have happened for us. So, you know, I know I mentioned earlier, Ty, that this reminds me of a GRC light. And I meant that in nothing but the most complimentary way, right? Like in mm -hmm. that I can see how this can be used in a lot of places where folks would typically want to use the full GRC application and end up where your app would do everything that they want to do, but in a much better way from the standpoint of being easier to manage, um, easier to get the results that they desire and less and far less intimidating. I think it's worth noting too, right? That your app is a standalone app in the ServiceNow app store and it does not require GRC. Is that correct? Yeah, that is correct. So it's your basic platform capabilities like your, your workflow, your dashboards, your reports, there's custom tables and you're off and running. Awesome. All right, folks, we are at time. You have been listening to Robert the Duke Fedoric and Corey CJ Wesley. And our very special guest, Mr. Ty Roach of Tiger Consulting. If you've, any of this has uh, caught your imagination and you want to learn more, we will have all of Ty's information in the description below. Please click the links and thanks for watching. Thanks, everyone. Thanks, guys.